It's time for Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. Brought to you by Rikus Baird. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Branding Business with Rikus Baird. My name is Alan Brew, and today's show topic is focused very much on that B word, branding, and why it has become such a tainted, abused, and often misunderstood term. Today's guest is Tom Asaker. Tom is a brand strategist and a thought provoker. His clients include well-known organizations like P&G, Neil Rubbermaid, and Campbell's Soup. He is also a noted author and a sought-after speaker. He describes himself, above all, as a teacher, a provocateur, helping companies to take back possession of their brand. Tom, welcome to Branding Business. Uh, Hi, Alan. Thanks. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for joining today. So, Tom, just having described you and introduced you as a thought provoker, give us a sense of how you came into this business and your background and how you uh, managed to arrive at your perspective. Yeah, well, it's uh, kind of a long and twisted route. Uh, I was graduated with a degree in economics uh, back in the uh, late 70s, and I spent my early business career in management positions uh, with General Electric. Uh, eventually, I was involved in a management buyout of one of their businesses. Uh, I spent 10 years there helping grow that business and left to start a medical device company. It grew that fantastically over four to five years, and I had a vision collision with my partners. So I left and started a strategic brand consultancy, uh, wrote a book, was asked to speak on the principles in the book, wrote a few more books, and uh, here I am today. I spend my, most of my time studying, writing, and provoking entrepreneurs and organizations to think differently about uh, how they approach their audiences in the marketplace. Excellent. So you come from a business background, and how, how did branding enter your consciousness as a subject you wanted to focus on, Tom? Well, I mean, I, I ran into a lot of issues with perception and uh, with my audience trying, trying to grow the business as I was running. Um, so I became obsessed with trying to understand how people made decisions in the marketplace, uh, especially uh, if, if you look at the, the medical marketplace, it's very, very complex. There are a lot of different customers, if you will, everything from uh, insurance companies to Medicare and Medicaid to physicians, nurses, patients. So trying to understand the dynamics of how people choose products, how they make decisions, that just piqued my interest. And, and I saw that as, uh, as a very powerful way of helping other businesses make decisions, similar decisions that I was making. Interesting. So it's, you see branding as being attached to uh, part psychology, part emotion. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a complicated combination of uh, sociology, psychology, behavioral economics. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on there, um, and and it's it's almost impossible to, to wrap your mind around. And I think there's, that's why there's a lot of confusion today about what it is. The common problem we have, Tom, is is the the word branding. Um, we were talking recently, and you said that when people asked you what you did, you hesitated to mention the the brand word. Why is that? Well, I found that most people today have a mental construct that shapes their perceptions in a very limited way of what, of what brand and branding is. Do you remember the story of the, the blind men and the elephant? It's new to me. Please do tell us. 
it's an ancient story out of India. And it, so there's a group of blind men, or in another telling, men in a dark room. And they touch an elephant to learn what it's like. So the elephant's big, so they can only touch a part of it. And later, when they compare notes, they learn that they are in complete disagreement about what an elephant is. The, the person who felt the leg says the elephant is like a pillar. Uh, hmm. The one who felt the tail says the elephant is like a rope. The one who felt an ear says the elephant is like a fan. So that's what I found with this whole notion of the word brand, the concept brand. Brand is the elephant. Unfortunately, some people see brand as the aesthetics, design, packaging, colors. Others see it as communication, like advertising and storytelling and you know, other creative content, naming, logos, whatever. Others see it as a promise. The reality is, is that a brand is none of those particular things. It may be colored by all of those things and more. But people are blind to this, what I call an outside-in, holistic view, because they have an inside-out specialist viewpoint. They're focused on their part of the elephant. So it's the brand is the elephant and often the elephant in the room in that we all think we're talking about the same thing and we're talking about entirely different things. But exactly. Tom, um, how did you, what was the journey you took to get to this point in your life? Was it your business experiences? Was it people you dealt with? Was it just simply realizing that the total perspective on, on how we look at business needs a different point of view? Probably all of that, Alan. I mean, I've always been really curious as to why people do what they do. Why do they choose what they choose? I mean, I was born in Louisiana. I have relatives that were uh, Baptist ministers, Pentecostal ministers. I was raised in Boston uh, as a Catholic. You know, so I, I even wondered about those choices. How do people choose their faiths, their religions, their beliefs? How do they choose products? How do they choose politicians? You know, how do they choose? And this whole notion of what they choose is brand, and the, the idea of, of creating something desirable so that they'll choose it, that's branding. I mean, that, right. that's how I looked at those concepts, and I've just been intrigued by that my whole life. The way we intuit things is through the senses as well as through kind of rational thought. Where did you come out in that kind of equation? Is it, is it sensing? Is it, is it rational? I mean, is, is branding a combination of those two things? Yeah, I mean, here's how the, the human brain works, right? We sense the world in order to make meaning. So our senses are leading the way for us. We start with that, with that particular point of view because that's how we receive information. And then we'll start using that information to develop our beliefs. So we'll start rationalizing. We'll compare things that we see to things that are, that are already in our minds. That's how our brains work, in essence, is by, is by looking at things and comparing them to what's already in there. So, yeah, it's a combination, but we start with our senses. Well, business people tend to be very rational people, who, especially uh, engineers and lawyers uh, who are frequently our clients. And this talking of sensing your way into an issue it can be a bit lightweight for them. How do you overcome that kind of perception, Tom? <laughs> yeah, no, I, believe me, I can understand that. I mean, I had a lot of engineers that worked for me. And, and what I would, I'd like to find is I'd like to find examples of where rational people, which, which is really an oxymoron, there's no such thing because we are not rational creatures. We're, we're emotional creatures. 
we just happen to use our, our minds every once in a while to make decisions. But I like to find I like to find example where these rational people make seemingly irrational decisions. I've had engineers that I had an engineer that sourced a motor that was inside a device, and it was it was the casing of the motor was this beautiful black casing, and I asked him. I said. Uh, I said, why did you spend four cents more per motor for this black casing instead of the silver casing? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, think about it. <laughs> the, the person using this device never opens it up. They can't see that thing. Why did you pick it? So, so you, if you look deeply enough, you can, you'll find that most people are unaware of how they make decisions. And if you can find decisions that they make that were not rational, because none of them are, Nobody really goes through this checklist and says, okay, here's the rational, here's the irrational. They just make decisions like everyone else does in the marketplace. They, their decisions are led with their feelings, and then they rationalize those decisions. Presumably your clients accept this. I mean, you're very successful. You're dealing with some large corporations. This approach, which could be alien to a lot of business people, is obviously successful for you. How do you convince people to kind of overcome their prejudice and look at branding from this much more holistic point of view? Well, I, I take them through the same process that I try to show them that people use in the marketplace. The fact that they sense and then they take those feelings and then they, they use their minds, examine those feelings, and then they develop beliefs. So what I'll do is I'll take them through many, many examples, common examples, to, for their feeling mind to start seeing a pattern. And then their thinking mind will come along and eventually they'll believe. So I take them through the exact same process that I hope they'll take their audience through, the process that people naturally use. So it's somewhat experiential. You've got to take these people through a process and a set of situations before they begin to understand what their customers go through. Absolutely. All information is going to do is it's either going to refute their current understanding, and so they'll ignore that information, or it's going to reinforce what they currently believe, which is something that they'll use, again, to, to make those beliefs even deeper. So I try to knock them out of all of that by coming at them with a lot of different information, a lot of different examples. I attack their feelings. I go to their thinking mind. I go into their memory so that they'll have an experience that will change their beliefs. Tom, can you give me an example of, just a brief example of how you would work with an organization, a large corporation with a group of executives or senior marketing people to take them through the process? What's your model? Well, a lot of it, if I were dealing with executives, is I, I, would, I would ask a lot of questions to try to get at the essence of what they're trying to do and why they're trying to do it. So, uh, for example, I've had executives <laughs> call me and have discussions about branding initiatives that they're, that they're in the middle of, that they've spent a lot of money on. And I'll ask them what they were trying to get out of it. I'm telling you, this is true, Alan. Many of these people have no idea what they were trying to get out of it. They've, they got pulled so deeply into the process, they don't even understand what the end game is. I mean, I had a, law, a large law firm bring me in to talk to them about social media, and I had to ask them why, why were they interested in social media. They weren't even sure why they were interested in it. It was just because everyone was talking about it. So the, the first step is to get at the essence of what are they trying to do to add value to the experiences, what is it doing to create an expectation of value, 
because that's all a brand is. Brand is, a, is shorthand. It's proxy for value. Excellent. Well, that would go some way to explaining why some clients, when we're taken into a, a new relationship, they say, don't mention the B word because we've had uh, the CEO has been through a, a project which, in his view, didn't get them very far. And this could be at the root of it, not really understanding what the objective is and what they want to get out of it. I, I think you're right there. There's been some really bad experiences that people have had because they, they can't really pinpoint the value that they've received or the value that they've delivered by going through this exercise. You know, Tom, we're often asked for a definition of what branding is. Everybody has their favorite definition of branding, and everybody starts off their presentations with what a brand is. Do you have one, or do you tend not to offer definitions? Well, I mean, I, I have a definition. You need to think through it. In essence, a brand is something that you choose, something some person, some place. So it's a proxy for value. I'm going to choose this thing because I'm going to get this value back. So a brand, in essence, then, is an expectation, right? So mm -hmm. your brand is my expectation of receiving a particular feeling by way of an experience. What is that feeling? I don't know. If, if I'm buying you because you're 10 cents cheaper than the other guy, then that feeling is I'm smart. That's the feeling that I'm getting by buying that product. If the feeling is I'm going to look more stylish by paying extra money for this particular suit or car or pair of shoes, then that's the feeling that I'm getting back. I think a lot of people are unaware of the feelings that people are trying to receive when they exchange their time and their money for a particular brand. They try to narrow it down to some just price and benefit, and it just doesn't work like that. I had a client recently ask me, a professional services firm, and they said, well, why do we need a brand? We, here we are, a set of professional people delivering services to our clients. And then he posed a hypothetical question to me. Why, for example, would Boeing need a brand? Because they have very few customers and they make one particular thing, and branding, he said, or he posited, simply does not come into the equation. What would your response be to that question? Listen to the question. Why do we need a brand? It's not even stated properly, because he has a brand, whether he wants it or not. So the question isn't, why do we need a brand? I would say to this person, you have a brand. And if he says, well, what do you mean we have a brand? Well, everything that everybody thinks about you and feels about you and the value that they think they're receiving from you, that's your brand. The question is, does that need improving? Is there a way to add more value? Do you want to grow? What do you need to do to improve on that expectation of value? And it's the same thing with Boeing. Just the fact that he said Boeing means that he knows Boeing. So Boeing has a brand. I think what he's asking is, why do I need a whatever that fill-in-the-blank is? Why do I need a quote-unquote new logo? Why do I need a tagline? So in, in their mind when they say brand, I go back to the elephant. They're not saying, why do I need an elephant? They know they, they're already an elephant. They're saying, why does the elephant need a tail? And you know what? The elephant may not need a tail. It depends who's buying the elephant. Very interesting. 
I had my own response to that question, not nearly as good as yours, but it seemed to satisfy that individual. What I'm sensing from you, Tom, is a great deal of passion around this subject, which has obviously made you successful in what you do. How do you relate that passion to your clients? I mean, what, how do you get them excited? best way to get people excited is to try to point to the difference that they make when they get up in the morning and go to work. I think if everyone in organizations went to their desk each day and they asked themselves, if they said to themselves, the activities that I perform in this organization either add value or don't add value to the people that we're trying to serve in the marketplace. So the next question is, if I can't just figure out how what I'm doing adds value, I need to figure out how to change that or how to outsource it and get rid of it. So if I work in finance, I would walk in every day and I would say to my team, folks, the only reason we have a finance department is to figure out how to add value to the people who interact with our organization and our department. How can we add more value to their experience through what we understand about this discipline. And I think if everyone would do that, that would get all these organizations unstuck because they'd have a purpose now, something to focus on, as opposed to just a to-do list. You raise a very interesting point there, Tom. Very often, our clients can be confused between brand, vision, mission, and purpose. I mean, all these words come into it. They say we have a vision is that our brand, um, when we get into the realm of the more kind of hypothetical, uh, intangible qualities of what branding is, how do you separate those issues? Do you ever come into that situation? No, I do. I do. Uh, and that's why I think you need, you need a perceptual lens for how you look at what you're doing. If you don't look at your audience, if you don't look at your customer, if you don't see them as the people that you co-create value with. And when I say co-create, I'm not talking about a business model where people are trading services. I'm not talking about the wisdom of crowds. I'm saying that organizations have to understand that they only exist if the value that the people who are doing business with them, that they're receiving, is equal to the value that they're contributing. So I don't even exist if I don't have clients who find what I do of value. So my existence revolves around continuously adding value, innovating in a way that adds value. If I stop doing that, then my customers will go someplace else to get that value. That, that philosophical view of, I'm not here to get people to buy stuff. That's not the purpose of what I do or to get people to transact. I'm here to add value to people's lives, and when they exchange money for that, they add value to my people's lives. So the person who came in today as a client, because he did that, he paid for Jim, who works in accounting's family, to eat tonight, and eventually to send his kids to school. All connected. But right. somehow we've disconnected this. We've disconnected happiness and value and all of that from business. I think it's a big mistake. Tom, just uh, we're coming to the end of our time here, but um, who, who in your view has done an, a good job at making this reconnection between the value that they deliver and the business they're in? Who's done an, the, an outstanding job in your eye? I mean, if you look at any successful brand, it all started that way. 
Otherwise, they wouldn't be here today. I think just a lot of them are starting to lose their way because they're not really innovating. They're not really figuring out new ways to add value. But if you look at, I mean, obviously, somehow, and I'm not really sure how, Steve Jobs just got this. He really understood this in his gut. Everything he did revolved around the cognitive experience of his customers. I mean, when he thought about what are we going to do and how are we going to do it, he made sure that every feeling that people received, they did so in a way that not only made them feel good about their decisions, but made them feel good about being an owner, about talking to other people about it. He realized that the brand ended with, with that exchange of value. When I say he focused, I mean, he was obsessed. He wasn't obsessed over culture. Or a lot of people talk about that. He wasn't obsessed over communication, social media. He was obsessed over the look, feel, performance, and design of every aspect of the products, the retail environments, everything that made people feel that they were receiving distinctive value from his company. I think if people would look at that and say, well, come on, that's Apple. You know, that's an outlier. Not everyone can be like Apple. Absolutely everyone can have that philosophy and be obsessed with the experience of their audience and their lives and how they feel about their decisions. We just come at it in a different way. But that, that is the right philosophy of how to approach brand. Well, it's clearly what made him a genius. There are very few people like Steve Jobs. Tom, we're at the end of our time today. Have any last thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners about branding and how they should refresh their point of view about it? Most executives today are becoming overwhelmed with the amount of information that's coming at them, right? Emails, messages, reports, websites, blogs, text messages, Twitter. I mean, it's the marketplace is evolving like an endless stream of puzzle pieces that people are somehow trying to fit together. But they're not going fit, to fit them together because they don't have what the picture should look like. So they should slow down, mm-hmm. rethink their purpose and their execution so they have a picture of what that puzzle is. And instead of just grabbing for another piece and trying to force fit it, they'll know what to look for. They'll know that, that the results that they desire come from an understanding, come from feeding the hungers of their audience and from customer insights and better defining their brand and and delivering a true differentiated value proposition. Tom, that was wonderful to hear. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, Where is the best place for people to contact you? Alan, they they can go to my name. It's uh, TomAsacker.com. Or just Google me. They'll they'll find it. (laughs) Excellent. And I do know your website, which is a ClearEye.com, which I frequently tune into and read. And you can find us at brandingbusiness.com. And as the man said, keep it real. And thanks for listening. Thank you, Al. You've been listening to Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. To hear more, simply visit our website, brandingbusiness.com, or tune in next week to learn how you, too, can build your brand and move your business forward. Brought to you by Rikus Baird.